0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Aliza Pressman, and this is the first episode of the second season. I want to thank all of you who have been here with me and welcome any newcomers to this community. I thought I would take this opportunity to give you some sense of how best to take in all of these podcasts, and frankly, how to take in expert advice on parenting in general from me or anybody else. What I mean to say is that if you don't have a plan for how to receive this information, it can feel confusing, conflicted, and it can make you feel really crappy as a parent. So whenever you're listening to an expert, keep reminding yourself you are the expert on your child. I am the expert on the science, maybe translating the science and choosing the good evidence to give you. And I try to give you a practical approach as well. And these are all very useful things to have in your pocket and your toolkit, but only if you remind yourself to never think that any so-called expert is more expert on your child than you are. So the ideal scenario is that you use the experts that you feel are trustworthy and are aligned with what your parenting beliefs are to help inspire your parenting, help support your parenting, help give you tools, but that you remain confident that you are the expert on your child. With that in mind, here are a few things to take into account when you're listening to these episodes. And I think these also are good overall parenting North Stars. The first is think about the experience you had being parented because your child's experience being parented by you is absolutely influenced by your experience. And if you've come to terms with your experience being parented, even better. Because then you're not bringing your baggage into the new relationship. You've come to terms with it. You've decided what you're going to keep and what you're throwing out. And you will give yourself more compassion as a parent. So there are three parenting styles that are kind of looked at, particularly in the United States and in Western cultures, there's also lots of research across many cultures, but I want to emphasize that so much of child development research and science is really done in the context of Western research. And it's important to know that so that if you are not coming from that place, you take it with a grain of salt or a billion grains of salt, because it may not actually feel right for the community that you live in. Or it may feel right, but it doesn't feel consistent with the folks that you're with. So you always want to think about parenting style and then recognize what feels best for you and think about your environment. The three parenting styles are authoritative, authoritarian, and permissive. There's a fourth neglectful. Neglectful parents are not listening to a podcast called Raising Good Humans. Usually parenting style is measured on two dimensions, sensitivity and demandingness. What's called demandingness. You can also think of it as boundaries, expectations, kind of what your rules are. Now, For parents who are more permissive, they tend to be highly sensitive caregivers, really sometimes might even consider themselves best friend parents. The thing is, they are very low in demandingness. It's really easy for them to be sensitive. It's really hard for them to set boundaries. Part of that may be, again, because they were raised that way. Part of it may be because it's uncomfortable for those parents to set boundaries, to have demands, because it can dysregulate your kids sometimes put them into a place of feeling unhappy. And we don't like our kids to be unhappy and sometimes need to fix that in our minds. So if you think you're a permissive parent, it means maybe you want to work a little bit more on setting up clear demands and expectations and give yourself a pat on the back for your sensitivity. And, When it comes to the other side of that, there are parents who are more authoritarian. Those are, because I said so, parents. They tend to have very low sensitivity, but really high demandingness. So they've got the expectations in check. They are very clear with their kids on boundaries. They're super clear in containing and having rules, but they lack sensitivity. Now, the problem with that is that when you have, because I said so parents, you may end up with kids who lie to you because they know they're going to get in trouble and they don't want to get in trouble. You may be one of those kids if you think about your own parenting experience. And in the middle of that, the sort of gold standard in developmental research is what's called authoritative parenting. That's really sensitive and also highly demanding. It's just that your demands are appropriate for your child's age and temperament and family structure and environment, larger environment that you're in. Kids who have parents who are authoritative in that balanced approach tend to do a little bit better in dimensions of mental health and actually in cognitive development. So both how they do in school and how they do in life. That's not to say that if you did not have parents who approached parenting in that way, that you're not doing well in life and didn't do well in school, you might've been awesome. I mean, You're probably fantastic. It just means that there are some spots that you want to work on. Now, I say this, but I, I want to also, <laughs> also say that it might look different depending on your personality and your family and your cultural background. So for example, you might be married to someone whose parents seem really authoritarian. They seem like yellers. Everybody's just screaming at each other all the time and it just feels chaotic. But for your partner, that household made sense to them because the rules were very clear, but the parents were very sensitive. They just have a more yelly way of being. So you might accidentally think those are authoritarian parents, but actually it was a totally warm household with high demands and sensitivity just looked different than what you perceive of as sensitive and demanding. So part of it is also getting to know the different ways that the same kind of parenting can present itself. And that's just something to keep in mind so that you don't accidentally judge something that's going on and think it's not quote unquote best practices or the gold standard of authoritative parenting. Now, the reason that he spend a lot of time talking about the approach to parenting, that authoritative approach is because it's so easy once you've made the decision that you're going to approach parenting that way. And again, you're the expert on your child. You know best how you can be comfortable. But I would say that that's, if I do have an approach, that would be it. That you can ask yourself, am I being sensitive to their needs? Am I setting the appropriate boundaries and expectations, given who they are, their age, their context. And when you do that, you can basically figure out any approach you need to solving problems, to discipline, to teaching. So you can ask yourself those two questions. And if the answer is yes, I'm being sensitive and yes, I'm giving clear boundaries and expectations, you're good that's it. Does it mean that you're going to get the perfect outcome from your child? Does it mean that everything's going to go smoothly and there aren't going to be roller coasters? It does not mean that. That would not be life. (laughs) And so of course, that's not what the goal is. The goal is to set your child up for the strongest foundation possible so that they can operate smoothly in the world and figure out how to problem solve and self-regulate and they know they have this strong, steady foundation. There is no one size fits all. I think I've made that really clear. And part of that is because context is so, so important. Your needs are going to be the most primary factor in how you approach your children and parenting. Some of you may have larger bandwidth. Some of you may have more patience, naturally. Some of you just want compliance and you don't want to nurture other parts of the relationship because compliance is more valuable for you or because it's a, a safety issue. Sometimes it's a fine balance, not judging what is most pressing for your needs in that particular moment when you're dealing with being a parent in the context of a full life possibly balancing work and partners and friends and all of the things that need balancing, you may have different priorities depending on the day or depending on the mood or depending on what's going on in your life. So I just want to make sure that I say that because it's important that you decide what your priorities are and not me. (laughs) Okay. Developmental expectations are also important to keep top of mind because You want to make sure that you get to know what is appropriate for your child's developmental phase so that it's aligned with what is expected of them. So if you believe, for example, that your child is manipulating you, when really what's happening is they're testing limits appropriately, you're going to have a different response. One response might be a power struggle, irritation, anger another response might be a bit more compassionate, even proud. They're doing their job. I'm doing my job. And now for a short break so I can tell you about our sponsors. It's really hard to find skincare products that are made with clean and safe ingredients. And what goes on your skin is really important to your wellness. And also, My daughters borrow all of my skincare, so I want to make sure that it's healthy for their growing skin and for the planet. So I'm really excited that Osea is incorporating Andaria Algae Body Oil into their product line because it is so nice on my skin. It feels luxurious and rich, not greasy or sticky, and it's sustainable packaging, beautiful design, and healthy ingredients. So it feels really good. And those extra moments of just taking care of myself are really nice. Osea's Daria Algae Body Oil instantly moisturizes and replenishes dry skin, leaving every inch silky smooth. And Osea soaks responsibly sourced Andaria algae in barrels of oil for up to six months. And the result is Liquid Gold, a rich, luxurious, never greasy body oil, fragrant with sunny citrus and top notes of sweet passion fruit. Osea creates skin and body care products powered by the sea. Responsibly sourced plant-derived ingredients good for your skin and for the planet. And it's female founded and family operated by a mother and daughter team. You can try Osea risk-free for 30 days and get free shipping on orders over $50. And they send free samples with every order. And get 10% off your first order with my promo code HUMANS, H-U-M-A-N-S at OseaMalibu.com. That's 10% off with the code HUMANS at OseaMalibu, dot com. At Ancient Nutrition, they have one goal, to transform the health of every individual on the planet. That's all. That drives them to create whole food nutritional products made with real ingredients for real results that you can see and feel. Every product they create is rooted in tradition and supported by science. Ancient Nutrition is based on traditional Chinese herbalism and Ayurveda, which are ways of eating and thinking that have survive generations. And they've combined it with today's modern research. They believe proper nutrition isn't just about eating the right foods. It's about ingredients that your body can actually use. So they source the world's highest quality ingredients and rigorously test them for pesticides, herbicides, and heavy metals. And so they do everything to create products that our bodies can easily digest and absorb with proven formulas for real impact. Every one of the products has a purpose. My favorite and the fan favorite is the multi-collagen protein. If you're looking for a great place to start, this is it. It's made with clinically studied ingredients, including five types of collagen. And it's so easily just goes into your morning coffee, scoop it in, it's unflavored, it dissolves right away and that's it. Go to ancientnutrition.com and use the code HUMANS for 20% off your first Ancient Nutrition purchase. If you're looking to revitalize your joints, skin, and hair, do it with clinically studied ingredients. Use code HUMANS for 20% off at store.draxe.com. Summer is here. Why not gift your young innovators with super cool STEAM projects to celebrate the end of the school year, and the beginning of summer freedom. With a KiwiCo subscription, your child gets a new crate full of fun science and art projects every month for trailblazing toddlers to more experienced explorers and every stage in between. We made Kaleidoscopes, kind of an art slash science project. So it feeds the need to create this cool meticulous design. And also you have this light show at the end. So if you want to cultivate your child's creativity and curiosity with new hands-on products every month, get KiwiCo. First of all, they'll explore new worlds, rediscover familiar ones, and they can do it all from home. But also everything is shipped right to your door. There's no commitment. It's so easy. You can pause or cancel anytime. And... Sometimes you just want to know that your kids are doing something cool and you just don't have the bandwidth for open-ended messes and you just don't want to turn the TV on again. So it's a really good opportunity for just cool projects and they don't have to follow all the directions. They can kind of make them their own. With KiwiCo, there's something for every kid or kid at heart every month. Get your first month free on select crates at KiwiCo.com slash humans. That's K-I-W-I-C-O.com slash humans. What's up, well-beings? I'm Kelly Noonan-Goris, and this is The Heal Podcast. Every Thursday, I interview the leading experts in health and healing, as well as real people with extraordinary healing stories. Whether you want to heal a physical diagnosis, a mental health issue, a past trauma, or heal our planet, the HEAL podcast is for you. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss that one episode that holds the answers you've been searching for. You can follow us on Instagram at at HEAL Documentary and at Kelly Gores, and catch episode clips on HEAL Documentary's YouTube channel. Don't forget to tune in every Thursday anywhere podcasts are found. The next thing to take into account is how your child's brain develops. Brains develop from the bottom up. We're born with a very well-developed lower part of our brain, which includes the brainstem and the limbic region. Those are responsible for basic functions like breathing, blinking, and innate reactions to perceived threat. I talk a lot about fight, flight, or freeze. A key player in the lower part of the brain is the amygdala. And when the amygdala senses danger, it sounds off an alarm that triggers the HPA access to release adrenaline and cortisol to respond to threats. The problem is that the amygdala acts on emotions and instincts and early on can have a lot of trouble distinguishing between real danger and false alarms without input from the upper brain, which is not as developed yet. I often call this the lizard brain. Your lower brain is the lizard brain and the upper brain is the wizard brain. The upper brain, the cerebral cortex, includes the prefrontal cortex, which is the wise leader of the brain. That wizard brain is the part of the brain where the more complex mental processing takes place. Rational decision-making control over emotions and body, self-understanding, empathy, morality. But that upper brain does not fully develop until kids are adults. So they're deep into their twenties by the time everybody's got that fully developed brain. And if you understand that, it's so much easier to parent a child when they are dysregulated because you realize their equipment isn't at capacity to navigate the world in the same way as an adult brain. And in fact, when you have a perceived threat, your lizard brain is flooded by alarm signals. Imagine just a house alarm going off and there's no passcode for it. So as you get a strengthened upper brain you end up learning the passcode to that. And you understand when you have false alarms and when they're real. So children will really learn and pick up ways that parents regulate their own emotional reactions to their experiences, tantrums, behaviors. And that is how they co-regulate. They see that they have a parent who isn't freaking out, who is able to handle their big feelings. And it starts to help them learn what it feels like to navigate those emotions. There's so much evidence that the presence of a calm adult who remains present and available during a child's full range of emotions helps them become self-regulated humans. It's a lot of work and it doesn't mean that you have to be calm at all times. It's just that it's an intention. It's a Goal to become in the face of the storm of your child. With the repeated experiences of having that adult presence during your emotional storms, the brain wires itself to self regulate over time. So, we've talked a little bit about your experience being parented, the parenting style in which you were parented, and the parenting style that you're thinking about in your parenting your child's developmental context, how your child's brain is developing as you're parenting them. And finally, it's important to keep in mind that you do not need to get this right all the time. This is one of those things where good enough is actually better than perfect because we know that the repeated experiences of Small ruptures and then the repairs between parent and child help that child believe in the strength of their relationship. So that's so important because when you listen to all of these podcasts, I want you to be inspired. I want you to have tools, but I don't want you to think that when you don't use those tools or when you blow it, that somehow your kids aren't going to be okay. You want to get it right. I respect that. I'm with you. I'm a mother. You also want to go easy on yourself and have compassion. You're doing the work. Your intention is there. Sometimes it's going to be awesome. And you're going to feel like, you know what? I've really got this parenting thing down. And sometimes you're going to feel crappy. We're all doing our best. And some days are better than others. And the key is that on balance, your children feel deeply loved, safe and secure, protected. And also a growing sense of autonomy that they are able to be competent at the things they have practiced, at the things that are age appropriate, that they are not overprotected or underprotected. That balanced approach is my hope for the lens that you would look at everything. In this journey, you will encounter so many different approaches to parenting and so many different points of view from the science to the playground to the in-laws. I encourage you to pull whatever feels right for you, use whatever tools in your toolkit make sense for the moment that you're experiencing and the intentions that you have, and throw the rest out. And finally, I highly recommend creating your own personal mission statement for you as a parent or you and your partner as parents. When you create a parenting mission statement, you have something to fall back on when you can't figure out what to do in a moment. For me, it's all feelings are welcome, all behaviors are not. And that's what I go to whenever I'm trying to figure out how to navigate a particular situation. For you, it might be something different it makes sense to sit down with your partner or yourself or your village and figure out what is your parenting mission statement. And if you hear something that doesn't align with it, throw it out or be open to change. Finally, as your kids get older, you can have a family mission statement, which may or may not be linked with your parenting mission statement. That's a separate thing. That is more about what are your hopes, dreams, and values that you want to emphasize in this household? And what are the things that you need to do to make sure that those are the primary values in your house? It starts with a parenting mission statement and then it evolves into a family mission statement. Start with your own, work your way towards your partner if you have one, And coming up together with something that works for both of you. And then finally, on a broader level, you can think about the most important values that you hold dear and what you think your grown child would look back on and say, these were the most important four things that my parents wanted to encourage in me. And make those your family mission statement. If you have older children, it's such a blast to do it with them because They may teach you something you didn't realize was a huge value of yours, but in fact, it's really informed their childhood. And if you agree with it, fantastic. If you disagree with it and you wish it were not the case, it might be time to look at some of the parenting choices that you're making and reevaluate if they're aligned with what you were hoping your child was picking up on. I hope this gives you some sense of how to approach each episode and not just each podcast episode, each Instagram post, and any experts that you follow, read about, learn about to inform your parenting. Take into account context, temperament, goals, intentions, mission statement, and you will have a toolkit instead of thinking that there's one way or the highway.